0: eligible items only exclusions apply see ebaymotors.com hey everybody thanks for checking out the podcast we greatly appreciate your support but before we get started i wanted to tell you about a success story i wanted to tell you about my friend carl up in new boston michigan he listens to our pods every week and he heard me talking about how i might be able to help him out so he hit me up over at savewithconrad.com he just closed last month and he left us a five-star review and he had this to say Not only did we save over $100,000 on our mortgage by removing several years off of it, he also saved us a few months of payments. In follow-up, Conrad and Steve are super helpful when I had additional questions. You can't go wrong here with Save With Conrad. Definitely worth a call to understand what your savings could be. Take Carl's word for it. He saved more than 100 grand. What have you got to lose? Be like Carl, go to savewithconrad.com right now and find out how much money you can save for free. You don't need perfect credit, you don't need money out of your pocket, and if we can't help you save some cash, we won't waste your time. But because we're licensed in more than 40 states, we can help more families than ever before. Why not you? Why not now? Go to savewithconrad.com and find out how much money you can save for free. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? Get a quick quote right now, thank me later, and you'll be glad you did. SaveWithConrad.com Welcome
1: to something to L- wrestle with. Welcome to with. Well, you know. That's not a rib. She pooted. She pooted. Is that a rib? No, you have a There's no box of gimmicks. Rumor and innuendo. I don't deal in rumor and innuendo. Be there. I was there. Say something about I don't give a shit. I ain't scared I ain't scared of shit. Fuck You, Bruce. Ah, You take the cheese. Double cheeseburger. burger. You take the bread. Double cheese. Well, you know. And then double mayo. You know it's called chicken salad. Double onion
0: bun. you're nothing but an egg sucking dog. <laughs>
1: God damn kid. God damn it. What the hell show you got there? I need more <laughs> Yeah. What say you? Bro now. now. And now, something to wrestle with. Call Bruce Pritchard. Eat the second most Sure a good night. Yeah. So good. Yeah. good. Welcome to
0: WrestleMania. World title now. Welcome to something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Something to Bruce Pritchard. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard. Bruce, what's going on, man? How are you?
1: I'm just a box of fluffy ducks by God. I tell you though, you know, well, we're going to start off on a kind of sad note or at least a salute, uh, out to Don Carnoodle. uh, rest in peace, Don. Don was, uh, one of those guys that I don't know that he ever met someone that, you know, was a stranger and always had fond memories. And Don, I was very sad to hear of his passing this week.
0: Yeah. It's unfortunate, man. I feel like, you know, uh, they say deaths come in threes, and I hope that's not the case because we just lost New Jack, too. Uh, did you ever meet New Jack? I know you guys never worked together. Never met the
1: man. Wow. Never, you know, never met the man. It was kind of like New Jack's up there with Ole Anderson. I've never met Olie Really? Yeah.
0: That's crazy to me to think about all the years, especially with Olie way back when. That's crazy.
1: Uh, yeah. Going through uh, just all the different incarnations and, and what have you. And, uh, have never met the man.
0: Well, I'm glad that Oli's still with us, uh, rest in peace and thoughts and prayers, which is, I guess a cliche at this point, but
1: man, I've fallen in
0: love with all things, Jim Crockett again. So I've seen way more Don Cranoodle. And of course, you know, I'm an uh, ECW sycophant, I think is what you called me once. So
1: a sycophant.
0: Yeah. And I was like, I, I don't have to Google that, but I'm mean, a I,
1: sicko fan.
0: Yeah. Maybe that's what you meant. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that's what you meant.
1: Hey, it could be, it could be, you know, just, you you never really know anymore.
0: Well, listen, we, uh, we missed this past Friday's drop. Our plan was to drop on Tuesday, but, uh, that didn't happen. And of course, a lot of you claimed that something to wrestle was dead, but here we are in zombie form. You just can't kill us, Bruce. You just can't.
1: Absolutely. We just keep coming back.
0: (laughs) You know, in about 10 years, I'm going to bust your balls, right?
1: Uh, in 10 years, I'll I'll fucking, uh, be able to, uh, explain to you the beauty of all things beautiful. Okay. With
0: that note, let's talk about, uh, Dr. Death, Steve Williams. Uh, we originally
1: hope twelve years. I'm
0: trying to think. Uh, Anyway, go ahead. (laughs) I hope it's not that long.
1: Well, it's almost been five motherfucker.
0: No, it hasn't. You started in 19. What? It's been two years and three months.
1: No, I know, but God, would you jump, jump into the, jump into the now?
0: Okay. I got you.
1: you. Okay. You in here with me. I'm with you. You're up in the now
0: I'm in the now I'm buckled in. Right.
1: It's been five years since we've been doing this. it?
0: Oh yeah, you're exactly right. It has it's been cast a pod. Can you believe
1: that? Yeah. It's just kinda I just kind of crazy. I remember saying, yeah, okay. We'll do it for a couple months and we'll get tired of it. Ta-da! It, it. it
0: worked out buddy
1: moved on and all that shit.
0: Well, we're moving on to talk about Dr. Death today. Of course, this past Friday would have been his birthday. Uh, he was born on May 14th, 1960. So that would have been his 61st birthday. Still a young man Uh, born in Lakewood, Colorado. He graduated Lakewood high school in 78. And of course, famously went to Oklahoma university. Here's a fun fact for you. Steve actually earned the name Dr. Death before he even graduated high school because he shattered his nose when he was wrestling. And he had to wrestle in an old school hockey goalie mask. So the nickname Dr. Death is legitimately, uh, from amateur wrestling. How about that?
1: Well, as a child, you learn that, you know, you learn your doctor skills and then you learn your death skills and he got both of them all at the same time. Hence being Dr. Death. Yeah, no, man. Doc was a stud from day one and <laughs> coming out. I think he was wrestling and whooping people's ass probably slapped the doctor back after he got whacked in the ass that very first day on earth.
0: Of course, he's not just a wrestler. He was also a hell of an offensive lineman. He was one of the most recruited, uh, kids in the country before he winds up in Oklahoma, his brother was already there as a starting tight end. But at Oklahoma, he's going to both wrestle and play football. He becomes a four-time all American wrestler. He finished sixth as a freshman, fifth as a sophomore, third as a junior, and second as a senior after a defeat to future Olympic medalist, Bruce Baumgartner. So no, no shame in losing to a Bruce around these parts, right?
1: Absolutely not. But you know, doc was one of those guys and he had a reputation and in Look, I mean, reality in in the wrestling business, she really didn't pay that much attention to the amateur wrestlers coming up unless there was somebody really making some noise and I, I didn't hear of doc until he actually came into the business. And then you kind of go back and learn all these things about him. But when you go back and learn and you talk to people who actually encountered. Doc on the mat or on the football field they always remembered cause he was that, that much of a fucking stud athlete.
0: So let's talk about, uh, and, and this is always fun to talk about sort of the beginnings of big star wrestlers before he comes in, he's in the 80 orange bowl. He's in the 81 sun bowl. He's drafted by the New Jersey generals in the USFL draft in 83. But before he gets drafted to play pro ball. He's already training to be a professional wrestler with cowboy, Bill Watts and buddy Landell, and he debuts in 82. So I know it's a different time, but back then, especially in the Watts territory. And we've all heard this through Jr's commentary for decades. Now you really gravitated towards quote unquote, real athletes, right? Vern Gagne, Bill Watts. They wanted to know where would you play sports? Where'd you go to college, et cetera, et cetera. Right.
1: Sure, you, because you wanted the real deal, and you wanted someone who could protect the business inside and out. And when you have a legitimate pedigree and a legitimate background to point to, then it's hard for people to come back and say, oh, yeah, he's in that fake wrestling bullshit. It's like, okay, hey, man, you want to see fake? Let me show you fake. And you have that real pedigree, and you have that athleticism to put someone in their place if need be. And it was all entertainment then it's all entertainment now. And it's um, it was just a different way of going about the business. And it was like, Hey, look at, look at who we've got from a fan perspective. And when I say a fan perspective I'll use my perspective Even growing up as a kid With the exception of Dory Funk Jr. And uh, West Texas State University Because that's where the funks went So w- who wouldn't want to go there And um, for someone Who who said something On Twitter or something It's not Ven por, Ven por ella Ven. Ven. Ven por ella Come and get it um, But You didn't, I think that there was a feeling sometimes, hey, this guy came from uh, the NFL. And when you would actually have conversations with people around you at the wrestling matches, as a kid growing up, I remember people feeling that if someone came from the NFL, that sometimes there was a feeling, with few exceptions, Wahoo McDaniel, Ernie Ladd, Dr. Death is, is a really good exception, but the feeling was they couldn't make it in football, so they came to wrestling. Right. And that's, that was just real talk. I always remember as a kid being in the, in the audience with just you know, fans around us. Oh, he couldn't make it in the NFL, so he came here um not knowing you. Know, Wahoo McDaniel came into wrestling for the money. The money was better than the NFL. Ernie Ladd, the same the same thing. So it it depends, it differs at times, but and the, there's been some truly great you know, football players that have come through and excelled. Maybe it was an injury, maybe maybe it was something else, but the perception was, hey, this guy's this when you're telling me how great he was at football, you're telling me, well, maybe he's not so great at wrestling, right? So I, I just—it's a double-edged sword, and I always kind of poo-pooed the accolades a lot of times of people coming in with those kind of credentials.
0: All right, if you're a business owner, you don't need us to tell you that running a business is tough, but you might be making it harder on yourself than really necessary. Don't let quickbooks and spreadsheets slow you down anymore. It's time to upgrade to Netsuite stop paying for multiple systems that don't give you the information you need when you need it ditch the spreadsheets and all the software you've outgrown now is the time to upgrade to netsuite by oracle the world's number one cloud business system netsuite gives your visibility and control over your financials your hr your inventory your e-commerce and more in fact it's everything you need all in one place instantaneously whether you're doing a million or hundreds of millions in revenue, you can save both time and money with Netsuite. So join over 24,000 companies using Netsuite right now. Let Netsuite show you how they'll benefit your business with a free product tour at netsuite.com/wrestle. Schedule your free product tour right now at netsuite.com/wrestle. That's netsuite.com/wrestle. It's been said that Bill Watts really wanted Steve to be like his personal protege, do you think there's any similarities between the two?
1: Sure. I, I think that, you know, uh, doc going to the university of Oklahoma and Watts also coming up playing football in college and, and Watts was a stud Watts was a hell of an athlete back in the day and got into professional wrestling through Leeward McGurk and. Uh, those guys good Lord Luthez and what have you but Watts I think saw a little bit of himself in Dr Death and just wanted to exploit that as best he could did you
0: see any of his matches on TV before you met him in person
1: unfortunately yeah
0: so you were you were watching Watts TV even while you worked for Paul Bosch yeah what was the relationship like with Houston wrestling and mid-south wrestling or the you know, Paul and Bill, what was it like here in early eighties
1: in the, in the very early eighties at this time, you know, it really wasn't that much. And I'll tell you how I got to see it and why I got to see it because we ran Beaumont, Texas, which was right on the Louisiana border. Beaumont would get television from Lake Charles, Louisiana in Lake Charles, Louisiana, they had the mid South show. So you would get people in Beaumont asking us, Hey, when y'all gonna bring junkyard dog in when y'all gonna bring Ted DiBiase in and, and they wanted, they, they didn't understand this was two different booking offices and so on and so forth. They saw the Houston wrestling show, which was available on cable, but locally they also saw Lake Charles TV as well. So I would get, even back then, you know, I would get tapes and I would take a look at, you know, what was, what was going on with that television show in Louisiana? And you saw Dr. Death, you saw JYD, and people like that.
0: Let's talk about uh, the first time you met Dr. Death. When do you see him? Do you remember the first time you met him, like in person?
1: You know, it was in Houston, and it had to be 83, maybe? Okay. When, you know, when Watts came in and, and Watts became a partner in Houston. Um, it was in that time frame. We had broken away from the Southwest Championship Wrestling Booking Office in San Antonio. And Watts came in. And I think that it was right around that time. But Doc was just this big, husky, um, not real muscular, big. Right but not cut up like he eventually got, you know, we started dieting and he was thick as a fucking house, but uh, just kind of a big rugged, I don't want to say dumb, but I think that people, if you talk to him for a little while uh, or, or didn't get to talk to him for a little while, you would get the impression that he was just a big dumb jock. Now, if you had a conversation with him, you get, get to know Steve Williams and he was a really good dude and a pretty smart dude too.
0: The first, uh, note I can find where Steve wrestled in Houston, and this might not be the first one, but it's the first one I can find is, uh, January 14th, 1983, uh, he's wrestling in Houston, Texas for Houston wrestling. Of course, Watts is still probably involved at that point, but Steve gets a win over a young Marty Lundy.
1: Oh, Marty Lundy. Yeah, by God, old Marty Lundy, that Ern Anderson feller. And Marty had Marty had that long blonde hair and shit. And uh, very, it was thinning, very thin <laughs> uh, blonde hair. Listen but uh, probably gave Doc a hell of a scrap. But I doubt that old Marty Lundy came out on the winning end of that one that night.
0: July 8th, they would be back in Houston. And again, he's working with Marty Lundy. So whoever's booking these cards knows... Hey, all Arnold I'll make sure that, uh, Dr. Death looks like a million bucks. What are your first impressions of him when you said you saw his uh, matches on TV and, and you said the phrase, unfortunately, you know, well, talk to me about that.
1: What are you your... know, early on? Doc wasn't good. All right. You know, doc was not good. Doc wasn't one of those naturals like the rock or even a Brock Lesnar that got in the ring and Kurt angle that, that, that was able to get in the ring and adapt their Amateur style to the professional style. Doc was clumsy. Um, he was big, didn't realize his own strength a lot of times and just didn't have a whole lot of charisma early on.
0: Well, there is a classic match from the UWF on YouTube. If you want to go check it out, it's the Sam Houston Coliseum. It's Terry Gordy and Dr. Death future tag team partners. It happened the day after Christmas, December 26, 1986. I think you should go out of your way to check it out. It's an amazing match between two incredible performers and a super hot crowd. Do you happen to remember that quote unquote day after Christmas show from the Houston Coliseum?
1: Absolutely. And you know, you look at this in 1986 where doc had now been in the business. Several years, doc had changed his body. Put him with Ted DiBiase as his tag team partner. Ted helped Doc tremendously. I think that was the best thing to happen to Steve Williams was to be able to team with DiBiase and have Ted work with him every single night. You know, tell him what to do, what not to do. He gave Doc the hot tag, but Teddy would talk him all the way through it. And Dr. Death became really, really good. In a short period of time, because he had the aptitude and he also had the attitude and desire to want to be better. I think that Doc would take a lot of it to heart sometimes when people felt that he was getting the push because you know, well, Oklahoma, University of Oklahoma, goddamn Oklahoma, we have fucks from Oklahoma. And and here is is the problem with that, <laughs> is when you ran. Markets, uh, as we did, um, Houston was an entity unto itself. Uh, San Antonio was an entity unto itself. A lot of ways. Dallas was Dallas, but if you had someone, for example, that came from good Lord, you know, I, well, especially Oklahoma, there was a natural rivalry between the state of Oklahoma and the state of Texas. The only thing that keeps Texas from slipping into the Gulf of Mexico is Oklahoma sucks. You're welcome, Jerry (laughs) Briscoe. So there was just a natural, it was the red river rivalry, man. That's why the the Texas OU game every day, every week, every year, every day, every every week, every year, uh, every year. That was such a big rivalry from the two States. So when you take someone that is a big star, the, University of Oklahoma and you put them in Texas and you make a big deal out of all of their accolades at the university of Oklahoma. Fuck him! Right. I don't like him. Right. The audience doesn't care what Bill Watts likes or yeah. Jr. likes yeah. because now you're in a different area. Yeah. That. We've got UT, we've got Texas A&M, we've got the University of Houston. Those are our home teams. And OU, you're across that wet red river. We don't care. Same thing for University of Oklahoma. I mean, or for Oklahoma. You don't want to bring in Dick Murdoch and, say, and, and talk about West Texas State or talk about the University of Texas. They're going to be heels when you build them that way. And uh, you know, I know I've told you the story about just people that have a strong allegiance to a college. Man, it can fuck up business deals. It can. Fuck, I I don't know why that never brought in, but it was Bill's TV, and Doc was going to be a baby face because he's from the University of Oklahoma. So by God, God bless OU. <laughs> fuck <up> you. <laughs>
0: What, uh, what ultimately led to the falling out with Bosch and Watts? I don't think we've talked about it explicitly before.
1: No, oh, I'm sure we have it, 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 100% the falling out was when Watts sold the territory to Crockett and didn't tell, uh, Paul Bosch.
0: Oh yeah. 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 But I mean, were there any cracks before that? I mean, like where guys were unhappy where you could tell like, ah, we'll do it, but we really don't want to,
1: I think that from Paul's perspective that Paul, um, thought Bill owned everything from Bill's perspective, Bill felt Paul and his nephew didn't do enough to contribute. So both sides had, and and frankly, both sides were right in a lot of respects, right? But it was, it was just a, a a difference of opinion. And I think Bill wanted to own all of Houston and Paul wanted someone else (laughs) to own more of it type thing. I don't think Paul really wanted, I don't think Paul wanted to be in control overall. He wanted to be the face of it and he wanted to be the promoter and the TV guy, but Paul wasn't looking to be in charge and be running a town anymore, be running a territory anymore.
0: Well, as you mentioned, Crockett purchases the UWF in late 87 and Dr. Death makes the move to uh, Jim Crockett promotions. Now by 87, you're already with the world wrestling federation. Did you think Steve would be a fit with Jim Crockett or did you think that their style was just a little too different from Watts for him to be successful there?
1: I thought the doc was one of those guys that could probably, (sighs) Same thing. I think that, that sometimes doc was painted too much with that Oklahoma brush. Yeah. That it's, it's one thing to be that tough Texan by God. Oklahoma was, was polarizing. Texas is fucking polarizing. It's hard to, to then take that and go into the Carolinas, going to Tennessee and go into Florida. And God forbid, um, it, it doc needed to doc needed to make his own identity as Dr. Death, Steve Williams, wrestler, not Dr. Death, Steve Williams. Uh, we love you. Oh, you do you, do you, do you know what this is? The other thing that, that just tickles me sometimes. Do you know what a sooner is? I don't. Okay. Um, you know, Oklahoma, they're yeah. called the Sooners.
0: Yeah. Is that a dog?
1: No, 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 okay. it is not. It is not back in, in the early, whatever, 1800s or whatever it was when they had the land rush, yeah, the land grab. Got so it. they had all these people in Oklahoma and they told them, I said, okay, you're going to be able to go out and stake your land. All right. And what we're going to do is everybody's going to line up here and we're all going to camp out for the night and in the morning, they're going to fire off a cannon. So when you hear the boom, you go out in your covered wagons and your horses and shit, and you stake out the land you want. Well, in the middle of the night, a bunch of people went out, and they scoped the land before everybody else, much sooner than everyone else. They scoped the land with it had a creek running through it and had water and, you know, and access here and what have you. And so when that boom went off, there were people that were already out there sooner than everyone else that had already staked and stolen the good land. Right. So they were called Sooners. The people that waited for the boom were Boomers. That's where you get boomer sooner, boomer sooner. I'm a cheater cause I'm a sooner.
0: Hey man, let me smarten you up on something that I learned, I guess what, last year? Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do it yourselfers. I learned this the hard way, but here's a pro tip for you. rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody. Oh, and they're reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than charging prices based on what the market will bear like an airline. (sniffs) RockAuto.com is for everybody. They don't require a membership or an account login. They want to save you some cash. And this has really proven out for me and my family. I think I mentioned this a while back. I got my dad his dream Corvette, an old classic way back when, Uh, but I got it for him on his 60th birthday a few years ago. Well, those cars occasionally are going to need parts. We couldn't find anything locally. You know who could hook us up? RockAuto.com. You see, RockAuto.com is where I went for my family because RockAuto.com is a family business. And they've been serving auto parts customers online for more than 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for all of your auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They literally have something for everybody. We're talking stuff from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps hell motor oil even carpet that's right carpet for your car now this is not just for old classics this is for your daily driver too you can get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your front door the rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate so easy even jr could do it quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specs, and prices you prefer. Now, best of all, prices at rockauto.com, once again, reliably low all the time. And more importantly for me, they're the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why in the world would you spend up to twice as much for the same doggone parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck, and please write wrestle in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know we sent you that's important guys. So go to RockAuto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck, and please write wrestle in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know that's something to wrestle with told you about RockAuto.com.
1: I love you for that. So. That's where you know. Again, their their their, their <laughs> whole identity is based in On cheating. Their heels. Their heels. Yeah. Their heels. Why would you like someone that would sneak off ahead of everyone, not play fair, sneak <laughs> out your land, and you're a cheater, and you're proud of it? Boom. Sooner, I'm a cheater. I'm a Sooner. I'm a cheater. Do, 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 do. I never got it. Well, and the person that told me that and gave me that analogy was an Oklahoman, you know, who had his land stripped from him. From uh, anyway,
0: Jim Ross is taking you off his Christmas card list. Just see so you
1: now, yeah, I've been off of it for a while.
0: So Dr. Death is going to split his time between, uh, Jim Crockett slash the NWA, whatever you want to call it and all Japan pro wrestling. When does someone with the amateur background and the size of Dr. Death catch Vince's eye? Do you remember there ever being even preliminary discussions? Because there's a lot of talent leaving Jim Crockett and jumping ship over to the world wrestling federation, whether it's what's going to be the big boss man or Rick rude or Ron Garvin. Or, or the brain busters on and on folks are jumping ship, Dr. Death. Not so much. Why is that?
1: Because doc had Japan and doc loved Japan. I see. so doc had that deal in Japan, which made his year. I so see. for him to come back and not have to work a full schedule with Jim Crockett it's like, yeah, yeah, okay. I'll come back and work, work some dates here in the States and everything. But his deal, I mean, the bulk of his, his year was Japan.
0: Did you, um, we know most of Steve's success came from Japan specifically working in all Japan before Jim Ross came on board with the WWF, I guess in 93. Do you remember there ever even being a preliminary discussion? Because I could see how you would have that guy with a mouthpiece. Maybe Bobby Heenan is going to be his mouthpiece. He could have been an opponent for Hogan, right?
1: I think so. I think that doc definitely could have, and I know there were attempts when DiBiase came in and we looked at Doc and thought, hey, this may be somebody that could come in. But I don't know that Vince ever really saw a character in him. The Dr. Death moniker is one thing, but but what is a Dr. Death? And at the same time, Doc had a look that was scary. I mean, (laughs) look at him, Doc was the real deal. And I think that we definitely could have done something with him the, for the same reason that doc wasn't interested in working for Jim Crockett on a regular basis was the same reason doc wasn't interested in coming into WWE because he had, you know, more freedom by going to Japan and then come back and work the dates he wanted to work.
0: So we know Jr is going to get hired in 93. Uh, once Jr comes in as an announcer. Is he bringing up Dr. Death at all? You know,
1: it's funny. JR talks about all the people he brought in. Does JR ever talk about how he came in?
0: Uh, yeah. Hey, we've told the story about. Uh, how.
1: Who'd he call
0: Bruce Prichard?
1: Okay, I just want to make sure. Are you, boom you... sooner? Boom sooner. Are you... We're a cheater. We went sooner that we didn't wait for the boom, boom. Those boomers. They are losers.
0: Okay, boy, this is going to end in a cage match, a salad, steel cage, <laughs> uh, chat me up though. When, when Dr. Death comes in or when JR comes in, does he start campaigning for his old pal, Steve Williams?
1: You know, I, I do think that, uh, JR mentioned Dr. Death because JR is, it's always been a big advocate of Dr. Death and rightfully so I, fuck, I was a big advocate for Dr. Death. So. Here was somebody that had not really been tapped and not been put in a prominent position in the states since Mid-South and since Bill Watts. So to a lot of uh, domestic viewers, shit, Doc would be new no matter where he was in, in Crockett or WWE. So
0: Steve's beating up his body pretty badly in the nineties with all Japan and his career comes to a full stop in 95 when he has a situation at customs. Uh, of course, marijuana is, uh, heavily frowned upon in Japan, and that's a big deal there. So there's a lot of folks, including Paul McCartney who are now banned from entering the country because of it, but somehow giant Baba uses his political stroke for Steve to only be quote unquote suspended for one year. Do you remember this marijuana story? Making headlines, and uh, what can you tell us about Giant Baba's political power, if any, in Japan?
1: Well, working backwards, Baba was extremely powerful in in Japan, and as was Anoki. Anoki was in the Senate, but Baba had connections as well. And being a former baseball player and the promoter of the number one. Japan office at the time that had a lot of stroke that had a lot of power and thank God you know because had Doc not work for all Japan and Giant Baba f- for not being a celebrity he could have landed underneath the jail in Japan and we would have gone hey whatever happened to Steve Williams so just to get out in general and then only to be suspended spoke an awful lot to the the power of Mr. Baba,
0: Were you personally, uh, caught off guard with this news of Dr. Death and marijuana being such an issue over there. Were you nervous about it or how it could affect the WWF or did everybody sort of know, Hey guys, you know what you're doing in Oklahoma or Florida or whatever is whatever, but you can't do it in Japan.
1: Well, most guys were smart enough not to do it
0: yeah. in Japan.
1: I, you know, that's. Again, there are places that you go, you don't take it into Canada. There are just certain things that you should be smart about and, or smarter about and taking drugs into a foreign country. I wouldn't recommend folks
0: ever. Chat me up about all Japan or specifically ECW. You know, he even pops up while he's working a lot of these all Japan matches. And of course, tape trading is a big thing with the hardcore fans who, read the observer and whatnot. So they're hearing about these great matches and then they're trading tapes to see them. So of course, Paul Heyman brings them in for a couple of ECW shots, but in that era, it almost felt like ECW for lack of a better word was almost your own developmental and so guys would sort of get their big sort of coming out party for that sort of hardcore audience with ECW. And then you guys would drink that milkshake up and bring them over. Is that ultimately what gets him noticed or is it Johnny ACE? Or some other, how, how, how does this come to be where he initially has an opportunity with the WWF
1: with Dr. Depp? Yes. Well, doc was, look, doc was always on the radar and doc was someone that, you know, kind of like avatar that Jr would constantly bring up. Yeah. And I don't know that, look, that can be a detriment as much as anything else sometimes. So unfortunately for Doc, I think it was a bit of a detriment sometimes. However, and Doc was just one of those guys that had it and he had something special about him. And after the the drug bust, if you want to call it that in Japan, well, that doesn't, that doesn't shine favorably on, someone wanting to come into the company and you need to give that some time that wouldn't have been a good look to bring doc in at that time however for ECW my god that's he's a hero then so of course they would use him thank god they did
0: saving money at savewithconrad.com is fast and easy just ask jordan in murfreesboro he says jimmy made the entire process easy no appraisal was needed and we got a great rate on our refinance what about glenn up in sperry oklahoma he says, I wound up knocking four years off my loan and even saved a few dollars on my monthly payment. Easy to work with. Jimmy is the man. How much are you overpaying right now? Keep more of your own money at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084 equal housing lender. So wait, lower your monthly payments and pay your house off faster. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months at save Let's, uh, let's talk about the observer here for a minute. That's uh, the February 16th, 1998 edition. Uh, Johnny Ace worked the WWF TV tapings in Indianapolis doing a tryout match, but they didn't come with any sort of counter proposal from a WWF standpoint. They've put a lot of heat on Fumi Seattle, the bilingual writer for weekly pro wrestling, who was there to serve as both giant Baba's interpreter and also for his knowledge of the American wrestling scene. At this point, they claim they don't want to do any negotiations. If Sato is involved because they felt he was confrontational, the basic gist appears that Sato pointed out that the mainstream pro wrestling fans in Japan aren't all that familiar with the WWF wrestlers, except for Vader and Ken Shamrock who originally made their names in Japan. The only WWF television in Japan is on a satellite show that only is in 500,000 homes in the entire country. So you've got to figure at most 20,000 homes are reached each week. However, when WBF officials, Gerald Briscoe and Bruce Pritchard went to Japan and saw Steve Austin on the cover of several newspapers from the Tyson angle and saw wrestling magazines and where there were color photos of WBF major events, they saw things a different way. Some in the WBF felt that Baba himself went into the meeting with little to no knowledge of the WBF product or its stars. While from a Japanese standpoint, there was the same thought in regard to Briscoe and Pritchard coming in with no understanding of all Japan, the Japanese wrestling business, and felt insulted by their lack of knowledge going in as to Masawa Kawada or Kenta Kobashi. Let's table it right now and just take a timeout. What do you remember of this meeting that what was the original goal and how did it get sideways with you guys in all Japan?
1: Oh, very simple. Uh, the original goal was to see if we could work together, and we had done business with other Japanese offices over there, much smaller Japanese offices over there that had paid a great deal of money to bring in WWE talent. And we wanted to, from a perception standpoint, work with one of the bigger offices, and we're looking to open up discussions with Baba since he wasn't working with an American company. Uh, New Japan was working with WCW and we were looking to do something with all Japan where we could come in and, and allow them to utilize some of the WWE stars and vice versa, that we would also take a look at some of the bigger Japanese stars as well to give them exposure in the States to benefit both companies. Uh, Fumi Saito was the, Translator in in that meeting And the The word came back that basically no one knows uh, Anything about the WWE stars No one knows who Undertaker is No one knows who Steve Austin is No one knows who The Rock is No one knows who Shawn Michaels is No one knows any of these These talent that you're putting on here And we, We were like Huh? Okay, because again, we did have all, you know, the stuff that we had got over there just to see, you know, we walked around the city just to see well, what their own magazines, their own newspapers, all of their stuff that Fumi Saito was involved with. Well, the covers were all WWE guys, right? we all the guys that we were talking about. Sure. There weren't Japanese stars on any of those these huge mega Japanese stars. No, the stars that were selling their magazines and their newspapers and things were WWE stars. So I'm like, Hmm, you don't know any of these guys, but yet here they are in your newspaper. Here they are on your, your magazines and your competitors are paying us a great deal of money. Yeah. To bring them over for like one day. Maybe, maybe we're negotiating with the wrong people here. If you don't know them and you're not interested in them, I I really don't know what we're doing here because we can go across the street and meet with five other companies and get 10 times the money. Right. And it, and it just became a, it was a waste of time. It really was a waste of time. It was a nice trip. I love Japan. I enjoyed going over there. Uh, didn't, didn't enjoy that experience. And then, you know, let me tell you the next part of this story is this Fumi Saito yep. sat there and told us how he doesn't know any of these WWE stars are trying to sell. Comes to our next event, which was a SummerSlam, I believe, in New Jersey. And comes running up and he's backstage. I'm like, why in the hell is this guy backstage? And who are all these people? He goes back and says, oh my God, this is the biggest travel club thing we have ever done. So what do you mean? He says, well, because I do these travel tours, you know, where we go to WrestleMania, we go to SummerSlam, we go to Survivor Series and Rumble. And this is the biggest one we've ever done. This is incredible. This is so great. I said, well, why are they here? Yeah. so what do you mean? So, well, they don't know any of these stars. Oh God. Why would they, why would they travel from Japan all the way over here? Yeah. For, for, for what? They don't know anybody. And so now it's like Steve Austin and undertaker and a few other guys and the rock have gotten wind that this guy's backstage and go over and undertaker walks up to him and goes, uh, hello, how are you? Uh, my name is The Undertaker. I'm a very big star over here. I know you don't know who I am, but I've kicked, and he named all the Japanese guys whose asses he's kicked in the in the past. And, the, and, the, and, of course, Rock couldn't resist, and Rock had to go over and introduce himself. And uh, it's just, you know, Austin just kind of... Wow. ...walked right by. But but we were treated in a way that of insignificance and... Mm. If Bob is insulted that uh, Vince didn't come over, well, we were highly insulted that we came over and had to deal with a guy that uh, didn't know our product or said he didn't know our product. And a lot of times you get people. And here's the other thing that was extremely insulting about it was Jerry Briscoe had spent his entire career and had gone over to work for Mr. Baba many times in his career. His brother, Jack. Made Baba... NWA champion against the NWA's orders and had a great relationship with Mr. Baba. However, Mr. Baba chose not to speak English and not to communicate with us during this meeting in English at all. So that was insulting and, um, not a good meeting in in any way, shape or form during that time that we were there, we went out, uh, one night, to go get some Korean barbecue, ran into Doctor Death and Steve Albright on the street.
0: Over in Japan, in Japan. Wow!
1: And uh, my good friend Johnny Ace, who is my good friend, yeah, um, was like working for Baba, and he about panic, but trying to get us into a taxi cab to get us away from Doctor Death, who I had known since he broke into the business, and I didn't know uh, Steve Albright at the time, but or Gary Albright, Steve Albright, Steve Williams, Gary Albright. Uh, but they were like, get them out of here. And I'm like, we're not here to steal your talent. We're, we're here to work together. Right. So it, it, it was, uh, it was a little insulting.
0: Yeah. Let's continue the, uh, write up from the observer as I know you're going to have an issue with this. Baba apparently also felt that if he was negotiating at the table as company president, then Vince McMahon should have been there as well, since he's the one not Pritchard or Briscoe who can finalize any deals as mentioned before. The two sides were far apart on money. WWF appears right now to be under the impression that Baba wanted their top stars at the same price he had paid for top foreigners like Stan Hansen, Steve Williams, Gary Albright, and the top WWF talent is worth far more in value in the United States to them for a weekend in the U S than what that figure would be. Of course, the WBF originally came in asking for a $1 million for a package deal, maybe eight to 12 wrestlers, which was an offer Baba apparently felt was so out of line that he didn't even respond to it with a counter. There were also others trying to work as some sort of intermediaries or go-betweens to salvage at least getting the Undertaker, Vader, and Shamrock to work the dome show. Do you remember the offer you know, not even being responded to. I mean, I understand that. There was no offer. Okay.
1: There was no offer because, uh, the, the lack of knowledge of our talent and the amount of money that we were receiving from other offices in Japan, whether they were third, fourth or fifth tier offers, they were huge money deals. Yeah. So when we got into it and looking at, all right. Um, what, what is that cost? What are you willing, you know, to pay? Because here's, there was a, here's what we have made for a talent here, a talent there, these different things. Um, we're looking at not just doing one offs with you. We're looking at possibly coming in and doing a week or doing a series of shows and never got to money never got to money because they they said they didn't know who anybody was yeah. so how do you how do you get to money if you don't know what you're buying
0: let's um
1: so once again believe it or not that guy that wrote this is ill informed or just made it up or maybe he was informed by Fumi Saito. Maybe I, Fumi didn't fully understand I, English I, or I, what I, have sure one side or the other.
0: Fumi and Dave are friends. I do oh, The Figures. So chat me up though.
1: You know, maybe that's why Fumi didn't know who anybody was.
0: Okay. Here's something you already know. I am a big believer in paintyourlife.com. Uh, my wife and I actually have two of these for our family hung in our dining room. I've given this as a gift to uh, a cousin. I've given it to my mom. I've given it to my dad. I've given it to my in-laws. It is a home run. If you're looking for the perfect gift for anyone in your life, a birthday, a wedding gift, an anniversary gift, mother's day, you need to discover paintyourlife.com, especially if your family hasn't been able to get together for a while now, this is a perfect way to bring everyone together safely. And when I first heard that a paintyourlife.com you could get a custom made painting, I thought, okay, that sounds cool, but it's gotta be expensive. I just remember as a kid, you know, you would see these mansions on TV and they would always have like an oil painting of themselves over the fireplace and there's this huge mantle and boom, there it is. You know, Lovey and whatever their names were. And then I found it, PaintYourLife.com. That's not the case, man. You can get a professional hand painted portrait created from any photo at a truly affordable price. But when I say any photo, I mean it. I use the pictures on my phone. Because that's real, right? That's how we're all taking photos these days. and posting on social media and everywhere else. Well, here at PaintYourLife.com, you get one of those photos and then you choose from a team of world-class artists and you work with them until every detail's perfect. They've got an awesome and user-friendly platform that lets you create and order custom-made and hand painted portraits in less than five minutes. We're talking a quick and easy process where you get your hand painted portrait in just about three weeks. Now, let me recap what we're talking about any picture and i use the ones on my phone of yourself your children a family a special place a cherished pet or combined photos into one painting that's really special Uh, what if your grandfather never got to meet your son and he wanted to give that to your mom holy cow man what a cool and special thing that is it brings generations together a guy in my office actually did that this past christmas at paintyourlife.com unfortunately his dad passed away he never got to meet his son So imagine his mom's face when she tore open her Christmas present thinking, you know, what is this another, and then bam, there is a hand painted portrait of her husband holding her grandchild tears all around, man. It makes the perfect birthday, the perfect anniversary, the perfect wedding gift. This is something that's meaningful, personal, and can be cherished forever. I am a big believer. Uh, You've seen the the photos that I've posted online. You've seen the ones that Ric Flair has. Uh, It is a big deal, man. I cannot stress how cool of a gift this is, especially if you're talking about someone who's hard to buy for. We always know that person. This is the solution. At PaintYourLife.com, there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded, guaranteed. And right now is a limited time offer. You can get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off. And free shipping. To get this special offer, just text the word WRESTLE to 64000. That's wrestle to 64,000 text wrestle to six, four, zero, zero, zero. That's 64,000 paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most terms apply available at paintyourlife.com forward slash terms. One more time, text wrestle to 64,000 that's wrestle to 64,000. Let me ask about the, the, the sort of insinuation that Baba was upset that McMahon wasn't there. Did you know that until I read that?
1: No. And, uh, again, Jerry and I were the ones that were making the international deals.
0: Yeah. Well, listen, I know it feels like a sidebar, all this all Japan discussion, but not too terribly long after all of this, all of a sudden Dr. Death shows up in the WWF and it doesn't seem like there's a ton of notice with him finishing up in all Japan do you remember how he comes over and was there some sort of hurt feelings or burned bridge on the other end?
1: Uh, with Japan?
0: Yeah.
1: I have no idea. Uh, you know, Steve had come in, Steve met with Jr and I, uh, one night late in the office, brought him up and we made a deal and man, I, look, I've loved Steve. <laughs> I, I. I consider Steve a friend and a hell of a talent. I uh, thought that he was somebody that was underutilized everywhere he had been. And in coming in, we've been after him for years, but I also understood his loyalty to Japan and his desire to work less of a schedule by going to Japan a few times a year. And so it just never worked. And at this time it happened to work and I was very happy for that. So it was, it was, yeah, Jim and I were definitely on the same page as far as getting him into the company,
0: let's, uh, let's talk about Jr for a moment because Jr wrote in his book, uh, under the black hat that it wasn't just him who's keen on Dr. Death coming in, but you are, do you remember saying, okay, perhaps things didn't work out with all Japan. Why not just get what we want? we want Dr. Death. Let's bring
1: him over. It had nothing to do with Japan at all, like nothing to do with Japan. It was all about Steve.
0: What was your vision for Steve?
1: Well, I think I would have loved to have been able to bring Steve in as a nasty heel to work with Stone Cold Steve Austin. I think Doc, you know, was one of those guys that would be able to go and be a formidable opponent for old stone cold and get more than more than one match out of him. And, uh, and that was the idea, you know, that was the idea (laughs) pretty much of everybody you brought in, who can we feed to stone cold and doc would have been a fresh opponent.
0: How about this for a debut? Vince McMahon introduces him to the crowd on April 28th, 1998 in Richmond, Virginia, but it's not on TV. And then he goes out and beats two cold Scorpio with a backdrop driver. Uh, was there discussions about. Hey, we need to give this guy the vignette treatment or not. I'm just, I've always been fascinated with, here's how we introduce Val Venus, Here's how we introduced razor Ramon. Here's how we introduced dusty, whatever. And then there's other guys where, nope, they're just, they're here. What was the thinking in terms of the presentation to bring him in and establish him to this American audience?
1: Well, this was during a Russo time. And I think that, you know, there were different ideas banning about, I believe that Dr. Death coming in and doing vignettes with him probably would have helped him. Some, um, but, uh, that didn't happen.
0: (laughs) What does that mean?
1: Well, I'm sure we're going to get there.
0: Okay. So Williams heads back to Japan to finish up. Uh, is there any concern when you've got a guy working a style like that, That Hey, We're bringing him in, but now we're letting him finish up. What if he fucks around and gets hurt?
1: That's always a concern. You know, whenever anybody, uh, is finishing up anywhere works anywhere that is not standardized rings and, and under our supervision. So that's always a concern.
0: Did you have any involvement with the negotiation end of bringing Steve in? Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I'm not asking you to give us specifics, but you know, what was important to him or whatever.
1: Yeah, You know, what was important, Steve was money and Steve was looking for a steady gig. Steve was looking for something that he knew was going to be there and come in and make a difference and possibly make some huge money. And the opportunity to come in and have the possibility of working with the biggest name in the business and in Austin at the time was very attractive.
0: Is, uh is it part of your recollection that Dr. Death was asked to drop some weight before being put on TV? I think that narrative is out there that you guys wanted him to, uh, step his game up aesthetically. Do you recall that being an issue?
1: No, not to my knowledge. I, I know that doc came in and doc worked the camps and came in and worked a couple of weeks in the ring with Tom to basically get the ring rust off. Cause yeah. he hadn't been working for a while. And so he came in to do that, but I don't recall. I don't remember Steve ever being heavy other than when he first broke in.
0: The observer says there's serious consideration being given to using Vince McMahon as sort of a manager, although not using that term for Steven Regal and Steve Williams, as if he's bringing two shooters in to beat Austin for the title and give guys instant steam. And I got to tell you, we've all heard, oh, Dr. Death's coming in for a program with, with Steve Austin. We've all heard that. But this idea that Vince McMahon was going to quote unquote, manage them. Now that that's news to me. Do you remember this ever being discussed? No. Okay. We've all covered this before in the archives, uh, brawl for all is where Dr. Death really makes his uh, world wrestling Federation television debut. And the rumor and innuendo was that this was a vehicle to get him over as this big, bad heel for a run with Steve Austin. Do you want to poke holes in that narrative?
1: Sure. The, I think that first of all, uh, for Steve to come in, I think Steve should have been brought in a completely different way. Unfortunately, as I said, sometimes how you push someone and what you say to put a talent over to bring them in or to get somebody to want to use them will, will somewhat backfire on you if you're not careful. And in, in this case, you know, it was, it was, you know, he's the baddest man on the planet and nobody can beat him. And, you know, if it were a shoot by God, you know, he'd walk through that wall. You want to see him walk through that wall? Just tell him, walk through that wall. And he'll be on the other side. No no question. He'll just do it. Motherfuckers, you, you, you know, he'd kill you in eight seconds. Only because he wants to have five, fun for five. Um, that kind of buildup became again, the catalyst for this stupid, uh, brawl for all idea. And, um, then it became, okay, well, you want to get somebody over? They, they win this. And if this guy can kill everybody, beat but he shouldn't have any problem being in it, but he needs to know that it'll be real. And other guys in there, this isn't to put him over, but if he gets over in it, then great. um, and some people thought that, uh, he would just steamroll through everyone.
0: Some people thought meaning Jim Ross.
1: Well, that's fresh County. Yeah. I'm just saying, if, if there's a goddamn law, you want to go through, he go through the goddamn thing.
0: Did it ever get so far as to talking to Steve about working with Dr. Death
1: about go Austin, Steve Austin. But, yeah. I th- think Steve Austin was fucking thrilled to be able to have a doctor death to work with. I don't know that there was ever any aversion to it at all.
0: It it is just sort of interesting that, you know, sometimes, and maybe I'm just thinking of Jeff Jarrett and his new podcast, my world, it feels like Austin was only at the time working with established top guys, not necessarily somebody who's fresh off, you know, a Jap, a Japan run, right?
1: Just cause we didn't have anybody like a Dr. Death that was able to come in and do that.
0: Fair to say, well, you know, what's coming next July 14th, Dr. Death debuts in the first round for the ball for all. And he destroys Pierre who was of course, just working with one. eye. uh, and then we see Dr. Death, uh, actually have a big night in the ratings, believe it or not. So Dr. Death versus Pierre, AKA the pirate, as we call him uh, PCO these days in ring of honor beat sting and Nash against giant and Scott hall head to head in the ratings battle. Internally, are people giving any credit for that to Dr. Death or just, is it mostly the brawl for all concept?
1: Yeah, I think it's a curiosity factor of the brawl for all concept more than anything is to what the hell is this going to be?
0: Uh, I think that's fair. NBA. So, uh, Bart gun scheduled to face Dan Severin and it's expected Could catch a ball. <laughs> it's a miracle. Uh Bart Gunn is scheduled to face Dan Severin, and it's expected that Dan would win and we would get a rematch of the eighty one NCAA tournament where Williams beat Severin, but the brackets are redone and Severn pulls out after beating the Godfather, noting he has nothing to prove. At this point, this whole brawl for all things, a giant clusterfuck. Fair to say.
2: At this point?
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, like whatever initial idea we had, we know this is not gonna end well.
1: It was a clusterfuck to begin with.
0: So we know the story here. Bart Gunn knocks out Dr. Death in the third round. Williams winds up dislocating his knee during a takedown, which made him a sitting duck. And then when he gets knocked out, he tears his hamstring. You can just literally watch your investment in Dr. Death disappear in front of your eyes. What do you remember about Dr. Death's reaction that night? JR's reaction? What was Vince thinking? Just take us back to that night.
1: Well, first of all, I'll I'll take you back to the. So the week before it was Bart Gunn calling me and asked me if he was going to get fired, if he knocked Dr. Death out. Right. So why would you get fired? So well, I know you guys want him to win this. I said, look, man. So they wanted to be a shoot, knock him out, knock him out. Uh, you know, at this point there, you know, we're doing it. So to me, that would be great TV. And you know, everybody was like, great. Knock him out. Who cares just do it and it'll be great TV
2: yeah
1: um and Bart did Bart knocked him out and but I think that jr is kind of like you know Don King watching uh Mike tyson get knocked out yeah like oh my god I heard of a golden goose
0: what was what was dr death's reaction
1: afterwards oh man you know see here's the thing that, that it, if Doc had been an asshole and been going around talking about how tough he was and yeah. he could beat everybody up, that would be one thing. Right. He never heard that out of Doc. Yeah. Doc didn't tell, have to tell people how tough he was. He just was. Doc was tough. Yeah. Doc was a bad motherfucker and, and people knew it, but he didn't have to tell people that. Yeah. So, You you liked again. I don't know anybody that didn't like Steve Williams. So you felt bad for him. I felt horrible for him because he was hurt. Not that he lost a fucking match or a fight. Not the fact that he got hurt. Yeah. To the extent that he got hurt. I mean, it ripped his fucking hamstring off. Yeah. And he was he was fucking dejected, man. He he. I don't know his first fight he ever lost or not. I don't know, but I think that doc felt the pressure of, you got to go out there and bring Dr. Death. Oh, you, oh, you, oh, you, um, and you can hear that you go back and, and listen to that and watch that. You can hear the disappointment in Jr's voice calling that. Yeah. You really can't. um, but he had been built up, and then all of a sudden, he he was, he he was a shell of what he was as a young man. Still walking in there? Fuck. Steve Williams, Dr. Death, was a tough son of a bitch. Yeah. Should he have been in the ring with a much younger Bart Gunn who is a tough son of a bitch? Neither one of them should have been in the ring doing that shit. Right bad concept, bad idea, bad execution. And unfortunately, a lot of people got injured because of it. And one of them, one of the casualties, big casualty of the brawl for all experiment was what could have been a great run with Dr. Death, Steve Williams ended right there.
0: So obviously plans change. He's off TV and he's recovering, um, you sort of said, you thought that was maybe the end. Do you think when, when a guy like let's compare it to real boxing or, or, you know, saying real, obviously the brawl for all was real, but you know what I mean in, in the UFC, sometimes when a guy is undefeated and he loses, people are quick to say, Oh, his drawing ability's dead, but that's proven to not be the case. Conor McGregor sold more pay-per-views after a loss. So did Chuck Liddell, et cetera, et cetera. It's when fans lose complete confidence. I mean, the reality is I think fans understand no one is unbeatable, but this is a different era of professional wrestling wins and losses matter more. And this has certainly been positioned as now this isn't a wink and a nod. Ha ha. This is real. Do you think in the mind of Vince McMahon at this point, any plans of Dr. Death being a top guy or dead, just because of the way he got knocked out?
1: The aura was gone. The mystery
0: was gone. Yeah. So, uh, let's keep it going here. We know what's next. He's going to be rehabbed and he is going to come back before we talk about that while he's down and out in training, I'm sure Jim Ross is keeping in touch with him. Are you in touch with Dr. Death at all while he's off TV?
1: Oh yeah. Just, you know, again, you're trying to keep his spirits up and get him back as soon as possible. So we both were. And, and again, Steve's a good fucking dude. Yeah. So he's just kind of checking on him. So
0: what were you thinking creatively? It makes the observer here that, uh, we're talking early 99 here quote, Steve Williams is ready to go. They're going to reintroduce him as a character who's turned his back on America for Japan and do vignettes before him starting on TV. Um, who came up with this idea? And is that why he was wearing this Kabuki mask when he returned?
1: Um, I think it was combination of, of, of a lot of things, frankly, um, his, his love of Japan one, but to present him in a different way and, and get away from the doctor Death stuff. Because I think that the doctor death kick-ass guy, it's kind of tough to, to get back to that after, Losing the way that he did to Bart, which was unfortunate. And, um, the, the idea, <laughs> horrible idea. Um, I think it was Vince McMahon's idea to, to, to do something. And he was like going, God damn it, Bruce. You're the only one that could do this. And, and wanted me to, to basically be the manager for Dr. Death in, in a Kabuki outfit. And paint my face and do my hair black and, um, cut half Japanese and half American in, in broken, broken English promos. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't say it was a good idea. That's uh,
0: yeah. That's out of the book of bad ideas for sure.
1: Yeah. It just, you know, it was one of those things of, of he needed a mouthpiece wasn't a great promo and in order to tell this story of america turning their back on him and him turning his back on america um you needed someone else to tell that story
0: today's episode is brought to you by geico do you own or rent your home sure you do and i bet it can be hard work but you know what's easy bundling policies with geico geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's insurance or renters insurance along with your auto policy It's a good thing too, because you already have so much to do around the house. Go to geico.com, get a quote and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit geico.com today. That's geico.com. And we thank them for sponsoring today's podcast. Credit karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help even more With a credit karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Who doesn't want instant gratification? If you're looking for satisfaction, there's no need to wait. With Credit Karma Money, you could win cash reimbursements for debit purchases. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. When you use your Credit Karma Money debit card, you can win daily instant karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Credit Karma money has already given away over $3 million in Instant Karma to over 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs credit karma money progress starts here right now you can visit credit karma.com forward slash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma go to creditkarma.com forward slash win money to sign up for free and start winning instant karma that's creditkarma.com slash win money instant karma is sponsored by credit karma there's no purchase necessary exclusions and terms apply see rules banking services provided by mvp Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated, member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Hurry. That's creditkarma.com slash money. Is it a little, uh, considering the whole Canada, USA thing that Bret Hart and the Hart Foundation really set the business on fire with two years prior, is this a little too carbon copy? But boy, there's definitely some quality loss when you go from the original to first generation or whatever.
1: Well, the idea was to, to spin a story that Dr. Death couldn't get booked in the United States cause he was too dangerous. And that, you know, his country, they, they wouldn't, they'd turn their back on him. He couldn't even get work here because he was too dangerous. However, the Japanese embraced him. So he's embracing Japan and, uh, using everything that he learned over there to become even, even more dangerous and right. become more of a force. it, It really wasn't a USA versus Japan deal. It was a, no one in the States would touch me because I was too dangerous. Japan embraced me. Right.
0: Let's, uh, let's talk about when he actually gets back in the ring. He beats Bob Holly in a dark match, but apparently even though he gets the win, you guys see something you don't like because he sent to the WWF training camp to get quote unquote back into ring shape. And while he's at camp, he's going to have matches with Midian and Pierre and Dr. Tom, I assume is running these camps and giving you guys reports. Let's talk about that for a minute. What did you see when he came back from injury in this match with, with heart with, uh, Holly that made you think, uh, he ain't ready. He needs to go to camp. Is it just ring rust or was he heavy or what do you
1: recall? I think it was a confidence thing. I think it was that he had a lot of ring rust and maybe had lost some of his confidence. So they just want to you know, get him get him back in the ring.
0: Uh Power Pro Wrestling from Memphis from Memphis would announce this match. Randy Hales, Baldo, Sean Stasiak, and Vic Grimes against Doctor Death, Steve Williams, Giant Silva, Tom Pritchard, and what the hell is this? Bruce Pritchard. Tell Main
1: have been anywhere on Beale Street.
0: Bruce Pritchard in a wrestling match, standing across from Randy Hales, Baldo, Sean Stasiak and Vic Grimes. What, what do you remember about this?
1: I remember going over motherfucker. You did. I did big baby face. This is this, you can point to this. This would be the one and only time in my entire career that I ever did anything as a baby face.
0: (laughs) Well, one time baby face and with your brother, no less.
1: Yeah. It
0: was fucking God. It was
1: terrible.
0: Uh, what's the thinking here?
1: I don't know. I didn't book it.
0: God, we're trying to do a podcast. Bruce Help me out.
1: Fucking Randy Hales thought it'd be great. I know. What the fuck am I going to do? Randy. Well, well, it, we'll, we'll work, you'll work with me. So what the fuck are you going to do? Randy. You're a
0: three-time karate black belt hall of famer at that
1: point. Now I'm a four-time black belt but, hall of famer motherfucker.
0: But back then you were probably just three, right?
1: Not he, two or three, yeah, yeah, at least two. So let's
0: talk about Doctor Death. When he comes back to the WWF, he knocks Bart Gunn off the stage through a table, and he's wearing this Kabuki mask. Kabuki. Hypothetically, you're sitting next to Vince McMahon. You're in gorilla. He sees it. What's his reaction to seeing this?
1: Vince is probably doing goddamn commentary. I don't know. Fuck. Uh, (laughs)
0: <laughs> does he have a strong reaction to the kabuki presentation that's where i'm trying
1: kabuki. to are you there boy are you a warrior
0: assassin is the word
1: assassin i'm getting there
0: yeah
1: i was a anyway um yeah um okay stunk it's stunk <laughs> what are you gonna say? This is drizzly shits. It's docking a fucking kabuki mask.
0: Well, it lasts a whole week, and then oh, the next week, Jim Jim Ross returns and calls out Bart Gunn and blames him for his Bell's palsy attack, and slaps him before Williams comes out and German suplexes him and hits a backdrop driver. And Meltzer would call it one of the most distasteful segments since the Melanie Pillman interview. What do you think of this? The idea being that. We're going to make JR an evil manager of sorts, and we're going to have him blame other people on his bells, on his bells, palsy attack. This yeah, not great.
1: Well, I mean, two, two of those three aren't hard to do. Um, I mean, they're based in reality, but, um, I hated it. I just hated it. I I, look, man. JR's friend And and it was Yes, JR could be miserable And JR could cut promos on everybody And do all that shit And and all this other stuff But I just didn't feel that The audience would feel the same way And that doc Um I didn't like the presentation I just didn't like the presentation Didn't like it Nothing about it that I liked Um Anyway, shape or form.
0: Well, we know what's coming. Um,
1: you can tell from there,
0: Jr. is the evil heel and, uh, it's going to go downhill in a hurry. What did J R think about this? You know, the idea that he has to, cause we know if nothing else, I know Jr. loved being talent relations and he loved being quote unquote office, but he really loved being the voice of wrestling. He loved doing commentary is he hesitant to want to do a, a on screen character thing and really just prefers to be behind the desk? What do you remember of that?
1: I think Jr. Doesn't like to be disliked. Yeah. I think that Jim is, is one of those people that, that, um, I don't think Jim is a convincing heel because he doesn't like it. You know, some of us really enjoy pissing people off and being booed and hated and and playing a heel character. Jim did not enjoy playing a heel character. He may have been one in real life, but it, it, he didn't enjoy playing it on screen.
0: At this point, are you having any serious conversations with Dr. Death? I mean, just sort of take me through, are you the one who lays out the Kabuki Mask creative and, and then meets with him to talk about the Jim Ross is going to be your manager. What's his demeanor? I mean, is he vocally unhappy or is he just, Hey man, I'm here to do what y'all want get paid and make the town
1: doc was there to do whatever we wanted to do. And, and I believe I did talk to him about the, uh, Kabuki stuff and, and the whole, but the whole Japanese scenario, as far as, you know, being too dangerous and all that other good shit, you know, I, I did lay all of that out for him. Um, I didn't. Didn't do the Jim Ross one. No, because that didn't come from me. And I just thought it would be short lived um, and not, not something anybody wanted to embrace, including the, but especially the audience.
0: Let's talk about uh the next piece of creative here for JR. On the following week on Monday Night Raw, JR calls out Michael Cole and pulls out the red gi and mask that Dr. Death had been wearing and said this is what the quote unquote WWF creative team had planned for one of the greatest athletes in the world. He kicks Cole low and tries to take over commentary before Vince sends Terry Taylor down and Steve Williams convinces Ross to leave. JR's delivery here is great. This is just not good in hindsight. Right.
1: However, the, the stuff when Jr had his own little announce table next to the raw, yeah. that was some of the most entertaining shit ever on raw. And that part was, was damn entertaining.
0: It ha- it winds up with Rawson uh, Ross and Williams on raw, having a new commentary table built, and as you mentioned, Jr still doing his own commentary, but Dr. Death winds up beating not one, but both of the Hardy boys on a Sunday night heat taping, uh, and it's kind of crazy to think about. You know, by no mercy, the Hardy boys are big stars and that probably wouldn't happen again. But then comes the debut of Ed Ferrara as a parody of Jim Ross. When Tiger Ali Singh offered him $500 to do a JR impression. And that gets him dumped on his head by Dr. Death. And of course, Tiger gets beat up pretty well by Dr. Death as well. What'd you think of the Ed Ferrara parody back then?
1: I hated it. And then Ed fancied himself as a worker and, uh, yeah, I can take it. And then didn't take the suplex. Well, but yeah, I'm not a fan.
0: I get that. It's uh, it's hard to really like, yeah. Did Jr ever express any, um, concerns about the way he was being positioned here?
1: I don't think Jr liked it at all. Um, you know, and, and I think Jr. kind of felt from the Dr. Death point of view that, that we were missing the boat on a on a big nasty heel that could have been. Unfortunately, that big nasty heel had been knocked out by a guy in the middle of the card that no one had a lot of confidence in. Um and that you know that was just reality at the time. You know Bart was, and I wish you know you you further that by okay fuck now Bart could be star. You put him in the ring with a real boxer, and now you fuck that up. Yeah, um, there's a lot. Yeah, there was a lot of lessons <laughs> that you learned throughout this whole thing, and and the hard lessons that. The, regardless of whether you've the Midas touch or not, sometimes it doesn't all turn to gold.
0: This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Say it with us, Blue Chew. Blue Chew is making waves and bringing more confidence to the bedroom by offering chewable tablets that can help men get stronger and longer lasting erections. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew's tablets help men achieve harder and stronger erections to combat all forms of ED. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online. Blue Chew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. Don't like swallowing pills? No problem here. Blue Chew's Sildenafil and Tadalafil tablets are chewable. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and they prepare and ship direct. So it's cheaper than a pharmacy. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew for free when you use our promo code WRESTLE at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. The promo code is WRESTLE to receive your first month free. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Well, and I know JR couldn't have been tickled with the creative of Ed sort of mocking him, but JR winds up calling the main event of WrestleMania that year, probably because of Steve Austin. What do you remember about that? I mean, he's not doing regular commentary. He's got this heel character position, but when it comes to the main event of WrestleMania, he's back behind the desk calling it.
1: Well, I think it was something that uh, Don Cold wanted and felt that this was the best way. Kind of let's just do this, ignore the rest of the shit, and move on.
0: The next night on Raw, Jim Ross isn't announcing, and uh, Steve Williams is taking on Bob Holly for the Hardcore Title. And Jr is back and trying to do English commentary, but he's at the Spanish announce table. And then Al snow hits Dr. Death with a frying pan after Williams hits Holly with the Oklahoma stampede. And somehow Bob Holly retains. And, uh, the next night raw is taped for the following week and Steve Williams attacks Al snow and Bob Holly after their match. And Steve also works with tiger, Ali Singh in a dark match and picks up the win and then out of nowhere, Steve Williams is released. Meltzer would write the biggest shock of the list was Williams, who was never really given a chance Williams 38 was the top foreign star for all Japan. When he was lured away last year with the idea of being an opponent on top for his namesake, Steve Austin, Uh, Steve Williams was going to be marketed without a gimmick other than his toughness. The brawl for all concept was put in place as a shoot, largely as a way for him to get over as a legitimately tough guy and threat for Austin In hindsight. The idea was a huge miscalculation since Williams was a very good amateur wrestler and being the only pro wrestler in history to ever be a four-time NCAA, uh, placement winner, but he was never a boxer and brawl for all entailed a lot of boxing. He goes on from there, just sort of laying out exactly how this thing got sideways, but the idea is even now after that injury, he's still not a hundred percent and he had that lame Japanese mass gimmick and they probably had some poor creative and being the protege of Jim Ross and all of that. But now that Jim Ross is back at the broadcast booth, Mounser would write quote, it left Williams with no spot. Word has it. that Vince McMahon was fairly insistent on Williams, having no future with the company since the WWF is so heavily based on looks and acting ability. While Williams is probably still one of the strongest men in the company. He doesn't have a pretty physique and he is a notoriously poor talker. Plus, his in ring style is quite a bit tougher from the Japan background than the company's used to, and it's not flashy by American standards. So, a lot to unpack here, but it came down to, as you heard from the very beginning of the recap from the Observer, the biggest shock on the list. For years and years, it's become, I guess, uh, a changing of the guard of sorts after WrestleMania, and Dr. Death finds himself lumped in here. Do you recall? You know, Vince McMahon's opinion. I mean, the word here is Vince was fairly insistent on Williams, having no future with the company. Can you agree, disagree? How does this come to be?
1: Well, I think that it was more of a, a cost cutting thing and I wasn't involved. So I, I just think it was cost cutting and looking at the, the upside. And I don't think there was a whole lot of upside at that point.
0: Um, unfortunately. JR is the guy who has to make the call and it doesn't go well, uh, it's going to draw a wedge between their relationship. Why was the creative change so quickly? Is it because Jim Ross wanted to do commentary again and you realize, well, that idea won't work now either.
1: Well, yeah, because you've got, you know, look, Jim wasn't happy doing it. Doc wasn't happy doing it. I don't think, um, even though I think doc would have done anything we asked him to do. So it it becomes, it becomes a battle. And that point you just kind of got to cut bait and move on.
0: Here's something that, you know, I don't think we've discussed at all. Did the company feel like Dr. Death was just too beat up at this point to handle the WWF schedule. I only asked because in my research, I don't think he ever worked a house show. He had dark matches and he had matches at the training camp but I think he only worked three dark matches, two matches at the camp, two brawl for all matches and two TV matches. So it's one of the biggest signings that the WWF had in that year where people were really excited about, Hey, what is this going to be? And it amounts to almost nothing. It feels like he you know, never. I, think
1: doc, I do think doc worked more house shows live events than that, um, because we, we had him out there just trying to get his legs under him. For a little while and maybe not advertised, but yeah, I'm sure he worked more than that. But at the same time, he never got out of the gate. Right. And so to do anything beyond that and any significant role was almost impossible.
0: It's, it's so crazy to think about how brief his real run is. And and we're still talking about it to this day. Do you think in hindsight, he's one of the great sort of what ifs of the WWF?
1: Yes, I do. I think that it had. Steve Williams kind of come in under a different presentation that yeah, he definitely could have had a hell of a run.
0: It's uh it's fascinating to to dig into this. He said in his autobiography and interviews afterwards that um his release was his refusal to go to FMW as requested by the WWF because he had a long-standing relationship with all Japan. So let me just catch everybody up. FMW is sort of the ECW of Japan. There's, there's all Japan. There's new Japan. Maybe you could say that's WBF and WCW. Some people are chuckling at that. Uh, but then there is an FMW, which is sort of the more hardcore ECW esque presentation, but you guys had a pretty good, re- uh, working relationship at this point with FMW. And you were even having Vader and Shamrock do stuff over there. Occasionally. Do you remember this discussion of, Hey, we need you to go do FMW and him just flat refusing to go.
1: I don't, I really don't. Um, we did have a good relationship with FMW through Victor Quinone. This had a good relationship with Victor. I don't want to say we had this great relationship with Onita. It just was business and happenstance more than anything. But I, I, I really don't remember if that, if that was the case or not. It may have been, but I don't remember because I could see that happening saying, Hey, there are people that want him. Maybe we can book him out.
0: So you believe, and I, and I've always been led to believe that the release is your idea. It's not his idea. And it almost feels that sometimes it was inferred. Well, I didn't do the FMW thing and, and it almost feels open-ended, but clearly it's a release that neither he or Jim Ross is happy about.
1: I would believe so. Yeah.
0: So after he's released while he's still got this hamstring issue, you guys give him permission, I assume to work the giant Baba Memorial show. I say after he's released because he's still technically under contract. You guys wouldn't have had a problem with him working a Memorial show. Y'all let that happen all
1: the time, right? Yeah. It wouldn't have been a problem.
0: So he goes on a radio show in November of 99 and claims that triple H and Steve Austin, their angle with Jim Ross in October was originally scheduled to be the same angle. As to how he was going to start his feud with Steve Austin. Is that just wrestler talk? Or do you remember that being originally discussed?
1: I don't ever remember that being discussed.
0: He also said in another radio radio interview that the goal was for him to begin his push when SmackDown launched on UPN. Did you ever hear that? Or is this rumor in innuendo
1: that would be rumor in innuendo. Of course, we
0: know he winds up coming back to the American television set when he makes controversial appearances on Nitro. He's managed by Ed Ferrara, the same guy who mocked JR and got dumped on his head as a result on Raw. This time, he's portraying Jim Ross as Oklahoma. And uh, unfortunately, Dr. Death winds up feuding with Vampiro, kind of, and even winds up wrestling Jerry Only from the Misfits in a steel cage match. Buddy, this went from bad to worse here for Dr. Death, did it not?
1: Yeah, uh, I thought it was horrible.
0: Do you think some of that was just Russo and Ed having fun with Jim Ross more so than doing anything with Dr. Death?
1: I probably so, but you'd have to ask them.
0: He's only in WCW for a couple of months before he heads back to all Japan pro wrestling at this point, it feels like it's just obvious that the American wrestling audience is not going to get to see the doctor death that we hoped.
1: Yeah, I think that it was just completely, it's a different style and a different presentation, and I don't know that the doc was someone that could fit into that style and presentation at the time.
0: So check this out. This is a part of the story you and I've never talked about. Uh, Dr. Death does a loop in 2003 in Louisiana with the WWE. He worked two matches with Lance storm. Um, and the observer would say there had been talk of signing Steve Williams, but it's not decided one way or the other. One theory is because he comes from the All Japan system that he'll be able to work with younger wrestlers on doing slower paced and more mat oriented matches and doing matches where the holds mean something and the mat wrestling has worked as a struggle as opposed to simply resting in between hot spots. Overall reports on Williams from the house shows over the weekend were not that strong. So in this little loop, Williams and Storm Trade wins. Um What can you tell us about this? He gets another shot at the cup and it just doesn't work out.
1: Yeah. Let's take a look, see what kind of shape he's in and how, how he looks in the ring and just take a look. See on the road. Jim
0: Ross went on to uh, a radio show not long after that tour and said that Dr. Death wouldn't be brought in because he wouldn't have enough work to make a living. Is that how you remember it?
1: I just don't think that anybody was all that impressed.
0: So we know Dr. Death goes on to do an MMA show in Japan. And unfortunately he once again gets knocked out this time in about 20 seconds. And it's announced just a few days later that he's in Houston and he's going to have to get surgery to remove cancerous polyps in his throat. When you find out that Dr. Death is, uh, in a real battle with cancer, do you reach out to him during this time? Did you know he was in Houston?
1: Yeah, I did. Um, yeah, I did. Or I, I reached out. Um, it, it was weird because I had to go through, I think his brother in Denver to find him. And, um, actually saw him at the hospital one day. So it, it was, yes, I did. And, and, and we talked, it was, it was a rough go for him.
0: Believe it or not, that actually made the observer, uh, it would be written here. Steve Williams, when it came time for his surgery for throat cancer on April 6th, was told they would have to remove his voice box to get it all. Williams sought a second opinion, and the second doctor recommended he undergo chemotherapy and radiation treatment and see what happens. Williams is under the care in Houston at the famous MD Anderson Hospital, which is considered the best in the world. It's the same hospital that Bruce Pritchard's wife has been using for years in her battle with cancer, which in her case is in remission. I know we don't normally talk about that, but since it was in the Observer, it's sort of out there. But you had to have some sort of, I don't know, heart to heart, or, I mean, you guys, for obvious reasons, uh, he's probably not your favorite person and you're probably not his favorite person or whatever, because it didn't work out, but now you find yourself not in a work atmosphere, but in a, Hey man, there's more to life than wrestling.
1: Yeah. I don't think Steve and I were ever in a, in a situation where neither one of us were either favorite person. I, I think that we both look, I always got along with Steve, even, even in his leaving. Um, I think Steve and I always remained, good on good terms and I never was on bad terms at least to my knowledge uh, with Steve and when I got a hold of him was very receptive and you know it's a unfortunately you know it's a club that I belong to in, in that regard of having a loved one you know deal with some tough stuff and and I looked at Doc as a loved one as well and just tried to say hey man there there's you got to fight and, and there, there can be hope There really is, but you got to fight
0: We're home stretching it. Now he goes through various treatments and surgeries. He pulls through, he wrestles an indie show in August of 05. He had only been declared cancer-free in December of '04. So it's a miracle that he's there. And, uh, you guys are looking out for him. He does some guest referee spots in March of '06 on live events for the SmackDown brand. And he even, uh, is signed and reports to Ohio Valley to become a trainer in the developmental system. He's put on OVW TV to sort of give the rub to Jake Hager, who we know as Jack Swagger, uh, but eventually is let go from OVW. Do you know why it didn't work out for him as a trainer?
1: I don't, I, I have no idea. I forgot. He was even there
0: in September of '08, He announces his retirement from the ring and in the worst news, the five year anniversary of his checkup from cancer, they find it has returned and it's worse. Uh, sadly he passed away on December 29th, 2009 at his home in Lakewood, Colorado, man, knowing that this is a guy who was there sort of in your early beginnings in Texas, and you tried the big thing 15 years later and it doesn't work out. And then you, you run into each other in a real life situation. And it comes to a sad and tragic end like this. What'd you think when you got the news that you lost your friend, Dr. Death?
1: Yeah, it, it was horrible. I mean, it really was. And I, I had seen him at like a convention or some kind of deal, man. But I'll never forget it because he was in the hallway. He was bald and had the voice box. And I I didn't recognize him hmm. at that point. I, I As I got closer, I recognized a smile. And I was like, oh, my God, Steve. And... Um, he knew, he knew, but that doesn't make it easy, <laughs> you know, just cause you know, um, and I, I, loved the man and he was a friend and a hell of a talent and is sorely missed. And, and he's, uh, he's a great, great, great guy and, and gone way, way, way too soon. Just very, very sad. And uh, I know your next question is my favorite memory of Doc. And my favorite memory of Doc was outside of Cooter's nightclub uh, in Houston, Texas, off Vegbrook. And Doc standing there after a wonderful evening of uh, a few adult beverages, challenging a Ford Bronco to run him over. And the Ford Bronco was scared to death. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, Ted DiBiase and I, uh, got him out of there, but that, uh, for some reason, it always makes me laugh because doc was standing there. There come on, come on! was a the cold cowboy in his Ford Bronco and and that he was terrified and doc wasn't moving. And guess what? The Bronco backed up and left.
0: Doc went in the WWE hall of fame in this most recent class. We'll call it 2020 and 2021. Uh, what do you think his legacy will be in the business, Japan?
1: I think, you know, I think that when you go back and I think Japan and mid South, um, because doc was one of those names that emerged from that and came from, uh, a, a relatively rough beginning in the business to being one of the true superstars.
0: One last question. Then we're going to wrap this one up, Bruce Curtin. Zamora wants to know Jr.'s name is constantly attached to Dr. Death, especially in the attitude era run. If he's not quote unquote Jr's boy, does he get that chance and spot? So I guess two things here. One, what hurt, what hurt Steve the most? The disaster at the brawl for all that Jr was campaigning for him so much or just bad creative?
1: Well, the brawl for all hurt, hurt him the most. Um, it was a combination of all things. But, you know, Jim didn't do it out of anything other than love and a great deal of respect for Dr. Death and you know I think people would skew that and spin that any way that they want to Um, but I know Jim really loved Doc and had a great deal of admiration for him as as I do and um, sometimes that can be read the wrong way and we have fun with it but it was just bad timing for Doc Really was.
0: Well, may you rest in peace. His uh, legacy is not forgotten. Throw on your Google machine. Watch some old Doctor Death stuff from Japan or Mid South. You'll be glad you did. And be sure to tune in next week. We're going to be back for Kevin Nash Part Two. I can't wait, Bruce. It's going to be fun.
1: Yeehaw! Saw him recently.
0: Handsome as ever. Until next time, he is at Bruce Pritchard. I am at Hey Hey. It's Conrad, and we are out of time. We'll see you soon Rock right on. here on Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. I did the rock on too early. That's okay. Rock on. You've been premature for years. Wait, yeah. is that rumor in innuendo? We'll see you next week. Um, Love talking about my friend, Steven singer. You know, the competition really hates him. He makes the experience of buying a diamond better and better. And he makes it fun. Steven is the very first to offer each and every guest the perfect price. That's right. Have you ever wondered if you're getting the best price, are you uncomfortable negotiating? Head to Steven Singer Jewelers and you're guaranteed to get the perfect price. You'll never pay more than the person next to you. Here's a little insider tip. Most jewelers mark their merchandise way up just to mark it down to make you feel like you're getting a deal. The person next to you may be paying less. Do you want an important purchase like diamond jewelry to be based on your negotiating skills? Not the case at Steven Singer. Because at Steven Singer Jewelers, you're guaranteed to get the perfect price all day, every day, 365 days a year. That's why we trust Steven Singer. It makes the experience of buying a diamond so easy. Check out Steven Singer Jewelers at the other corner of 8th and Walnut in Philly or online at IHateStevenSinger.com. Steven Singer Jewelers, one place, one price. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Hey, just wanted to give you a heads up. You're wasting money on your single biggest expense, and you might not even realize it. Just ask Brandon in Texas, savewithconrad.com. Just hooked him up. He left us a five-star review, and here's what he had to say. This whole refinance process has been super easy. It's been entirely stress-free. I had a good interest rate beforehand and no real need to refinance, but I finally looked into it after hearing Conrad's ads. Turns out they were able to cut five years of payments, saving me about $50,000. Man, Brandon saved 50 grand and he thought he had a great deal. How much can you save? Find out right now for free at savewithconrad.com. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket and we're licensed in more than 40 states so we can help more families than ever before at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? At savewithconrad.com.